Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode four of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jay, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you? Uh, I'm doing real well. Thanks for asking. Great. Glad to hear it. Um, today we are watching episode four, titled We're Naive. But before we get into that, uh, Dave, in the heavens there are five stars. What is the first star of the week? First star of the week. I would say the first star of the week is that we are recording this via teleconference. Normally yes. you and I, of course, get together, but this week we are chatting over the wonder of the modern age that is the internet without having to spend the gas to drive out to each other's places, which is, of course, a shame because I always love to see your smiling face, but this is certainly more convenient. So, first star of the week, teleconferencing. Which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Means that I don't have to drive to the east side during rush hour. So, Matt, second star of the week. Second star of the week is that we are now on social media. I took a few minutes the other day. I set us up on Twitter. We have an email address. The email address is supersentibrothers at gmail.com. So if you want to get in touch with the show, you can send something in there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are now at Super Sentai Bros, just B-R-O-S. And what we're going to be using that for is announcing new episodes, showing you the cool stuff that is happening on the show, get out links to some images and videos and so forth, but also just talk to people who are watching the show. So yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, that's how you do it now. Pretty excited about that. So now, Dave, do you have another Star of the Week? I do, in fact. The summer vacation that I have is closing up here pretty soon. It's actually over two weeks from today, and I'm headed back to the classroom, which is pretty exciting. Summer vacation is a lot of fun, but near the end of it, I find myself getting kind of bored and restless, and so I'm actually pretty excited to get back to work. So, very excited about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. My classes are going to be really cool this year. So that's my third star of the week. Okay, fourth star of the week is I went to last night. Dave, I think I might have told you about these before. I think you there did. There is, at a bar near my place, a weekly open mic stand-up night, right? Okay. Now, here's the thing about this open mic stand-up night. Oh, is, you know, you have mentioned this to me in the past. Yeah, it's great. There are a few people who are there sort of like every week, and they go up every week. And they're doing other shows around town. And those people are great. And they usually do like the second half of the show. The first half of the show, particularly the first one or two people, are usually just somebody who wants to try it, has never done it before, finds out there's an open mic, shows up, and puts their name on the paper. Which okay. is great. Good for them. But the first people to go up last night, it was a two-person team of a dude. It is, I'm going to say, early to mid-30s. And his mother. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you heard me. His mother. Okay. So the dude is, and really, good for them for getting up there, but the dude Let me... was dressed like a, a comic from the, the 80s. 
Matt, like, let me interrupt you for just yeah. a moment. So is this like a real live mother or is this maybe like a dead mother in a rocking chair that he's been like dragging around with him? <laughs> no, I understand why you would think that, but this is a real live mother. Okay. Who did about half the jokes in the set. Their like dad slash husband was there in the audience. Wow. Um, all of the jokes they were saying were super uncomfortable because they were like, some of them were just weirdly, there were just boundaries you don't want to be in a, there were some boundaries that you don't want to cross with your parents. And I feel like being in a comedy duo is a great way to cross all of them. And they did a great job of crossing if not all, most of them. So it wait. was weird. So wait, I mean, were there? I mean, were there were these sex jokes? There were like, some sex I'm jokes. Not... Oh yes, there were some oh. sex jokes, Dave. Oh, oh wow, I don't. Oh yeah, where the mother was making a sex joke and then talking to her husband who was in the audience. Wow. While she was standing next to her son, it wow. was creepy. Did. <laughs> The dude had like this boxy suit jacket and a, you know, just that sort of look from a very early like Comedy Central premium blend. Like he didn't roll up the sleeves of his suit jacket, but you could tell that he sort of wanted to. Oh, oh, wow. So, wow, sex jokes at open mic with With his mom, with your mom. Did dad at least have the decency to laugh? Like was dad into it? Oh, he was putting up a good front. Wait, did he? Oh, man. Did he have, like, a camcorder? That would have been no, even better. he did not. That if he is... had shown up, like, elementary school style with... It would be actually be even better if it wasn't a camcorder, if it was, like, a full-on... Like a full-on shoulder mounted. Yeah, like, like the, the real... VHS in there. Right, the real old style. And he was just, like, he just a hundred... You know what actually would have been amazing? is if he had done that. This is a shame, because if he had done that, then I think we would have at least been able to presume that, like, the whole family was in on it. Right, it was this big sort of, like, performance act. Right, and it would have been this, like, crazy, like, meta-comedy thing. But it was not that. But it was not that. It was just a guy. And And his uh, mom. And his, like, weirdly indulgent father. Wow. You know... It was, uh... Yeah, that sounds... It was... It was... I, I just... I want. I just want to say this at the end. It was glorious. Like, they weren't particularly funny, but just, like, being there to watch it happen was a real shining moment in my week. You know, that's fantastic. And I hope they had a good time. <laughs> I hope they, they had a like good They seemed like they did, especially the mother. Fantastic. That's great. <laughs> I hope they had a great time. I hope to never see them do it again. (laughs) Wow. Um, All right. Well, I'd say there's a fifth star. I I lost track of how many stars we're at. I I think that was the fourth star. Last star is that uh, I am going to be busy this weekend. We've got a mutual friend who is getting married. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm in the wedding, so it is going to be... Rehearsal dinners and 
you know, going to Tuxedo Junction and all that for about two days straight. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to being on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm assuming that the, what do you call it, the reception is basically going to be like a Schlievo fueled Croatian party. Am I correct in that assumption? Gosh, I imagine. I I don't actually know a whole ton about it. The, our friend who's getting married is largely Croatian. So yeah. you would not be off base to assume that, but I haven't, I don't have a real like inside look on the playbook. Well, I gotta be honest. I mean, I'm excited to, uh, to see our friend get married and, uh, you know, that's great and everything. But really, I think as with any wedding, you know, you're showing up for the reception. Cause that's when you actually get to, to be oh, there sure, yeah. with the I mean, couple and congratulate them. And it's even, you know, even weddings that you're in, even weddings that are yours are to some extent standing around and listening to a guy talk for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, on the other side of having been married myself, I mean, I'm still married, but, you know, having gone sure. through the ceremony myself, it really, it actually happens very quickly to the participants. I don't know uh, what it's like. And as someone like. who was sitting or standing right next to you during that whole thing, it does not go super fast for the best man. Okay, okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I understand that that may be the case. But yeah, as the person getting married, the whole thing happens very quickly. You're sort okay. of, you're really, you're really fuzzy throughout that whole process. So, congratulations to our good friend who's getting married this Saturday. And I guess that's it for the five stars. As you might recall from the last episode, it ended on a cliffhanger. So before we take our break to go watch episode four, Dave, why don't you remind me where things stood in episode three? Sure. The quick highlights of episode three, for those of you who may not remember, is that the Die Rangers are fighting an enemy called the Key Clown, who steals children's souls to power infernal puppets, I think is maybe the easiest way to say it. The big point of the episode, I think, is that Shoji and Kazu are awful rangers who don't want to take responsibility for their lives, and Daigo is far and away the best ranger. He's the only one who takes any sort of responsibility, and the final scene of episode three is, in fact, Daigo punching Shoji and Kazu, calling them all out, Shoji, Kazu, and the other two rangers standing in shame as Daigo walks away with the body of a comatose little girl who has had her soul stolen by the Key Clown. And then we lead into episode four. Okay, so we are going to take our quick break. The show's on YouTube. We encourage you to watch along, and we will see you right back here in a minute. Fantastic! Okay, welcome back. Uh, so, episode four, let's get right into it. Uh, Dave, you want to hit us with the quick synopsis? Yeah, certainly. So, long story short, Daigo continues to be fantastic, but to their credit, the other rangers do manage to get their business together, they defeat Key Monster, and lo and behold, I know you are on the edge of your seat, all of the children get their souls back. Oh, we do see, and I'm not going to spoil it, but we do see the introduction of some new ranger equipment in this episode. Very exciting. Very exciting. Okay, so we get back into it. And scene one, they are back in the murder basement. Yeah, they're back at HQ in the murder basement. Kaku reprimanding the rangers, saying but, you guys screwed it up. But here's what he says. 
He says, I purposely didn't say anything before just to see how you would react. And yeah. you guys have screwed it up. So yeah. Here's what Akaku has done, effectively. Knowing that children's souls were on the line, he decided to just let them screw up. Like, just to want... see. Yeah. Just to see what would happen. See if they would manage to not screw it up on their own. Now, like, he let didn't me tell want to save that for, like, some time where there was just a monster trying to, like, sink <laughs> right. a boat. Yeah, he is, he is waiting until it is kid soul time. Yeah. Now, let me just tell you something, Matt. From a professional standpoint, that's just bad teaching. That's bad practice. <laughs> that is not a way that you get people to learn the things that you want them to learn. No. You don't throw uh, them into a, yeah, you don't throw them into a situation and say, I hope you succeed, and then yell at them when they fail, without actually telling them that they were supposed to. It's terrible. Kaku is an awful teacher. Hey, listen, at least at this time, he didn't actively assault them. That's true. That's true. There were no machetes flying in anybody's faces. So he he tells them that they failed, effectively, without letting them know that there was a test. So it was like a pop quiz that he did not actually tell them was a quiz. And then... He reminds them, just, you know, while they're already down, he does remind them that they are terrible compared to the Goma, and that they're, like, really wimpy, and that they do not have their business together. And that the Goma do not respect them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, the Goma don't even care about you, or something to that effect. Uh, I think he says that they think that you're fledglings. That's right, that's right. And we actually do hear Key, Key Clown refer to them as that later in the episode. So then, the rangers... And actually, they sound kind of whiny, but in what is a completely reasonable complaint. <laughs> They're like, well, then maybe we could have some more training. Like, maybe we could learn some more things from you, Kaku. Yeah, who, like, like, it's like a master of Kiryoku and apparently knows all of this stuff. And Kaku's response is just walk away in anger. Yeah, they're like, hey, listen, man, like a few days ago, we didn't even know any of this stuff existed. I still barely know how to do the chi magic. Like, maybe you could train us, and then we could be better. And right. He's like, and oh, then, no. I'm out Yeah, he here. just, he's out. Like, he's just so angry that they failed. He's angry that they failed. Daigo was disgusted with them for, like, questioning Kaku's teaching techniques. Now, I will say that Daigo is still 100% on board. Like, everybody else is whining. Daigo, it's kind of periodically cutting to Daigo, and Daigo is just shooting recriminating glances at the other rangers. Oh, the just other rangers, daggers. Right! The other rangers are like, oh, oh, it's so hard, we need more training, and Daigo's just like, oh, I hate you all, I can't believe I got caught up in this club <laughs> with you nerds. Uh, so Daigo is still fantastic. So, yeah, everybody we cut away. Yeah, we cut away, no longer in the murder basement, the Rangers are just sort of feeling bad about themselves as, like, in general. Oh, we cut I will to their say, favorite sorry. diner. Daigo, Daigo stays behind. Daigo is the only one who actually chases after Kaku. It, it happens off camera, I believe. But we do see him with Kaku later. So Daigo is the only one who sticks around to actually insist on receiving the training that everybody else says that they want. So again, Daigo really showing himself to be the true leader of the Rangers. And so we cut to Shoji and Kazu, and they are at their favorite diner, which at this point, I think has been in every episode. I think it's like the diner from Seinfeld. 
You're right. It is. We do. And see they always them. have the same booth too. Like that is just where they go. Well, it's the one booth in front of the window, so it's got really nice. I think that's probably just a camera thing because it's got nice light in front of the, you know, so they can get a nice shot. I but think we it's just that Shoji and Kazu insist on having the booth by the window because they're jerks. They really are kind of jerks. So we see them. I don't remember what they're eating. I'm going to go ahead and assume ice cream. Um, and here's what their conversation looks like. They're like, well, I they're guess appalling. that's over. Like, yeah. I guess being a Die Ranger is over. Sorry it was so short. Yeah. They effectively say, like, well, shame about those kids' souls. Guess we Bye can't forever. do anything. Yeah, and then they just, they get up, and they're, like, about to walk away. And that, like, that is all it takes to defeat Shoji and Kazu. All and it takes is a single defeat, two in, in Shoji's case, because he got beat pretty badly last episode. All it takes is, like, one reprimand from Kazu and not immediately winning, and they are automatically willing to both, A, Give up on being Die Rangers, and if they in fact believe Kaku as the importance of the Die Rangers, abandon Earth to the Koma. Like right. that's it. They're like, and well, so, time Ka- for ice cream. I guess the Earth is about to be destroyed by evil monsters. So Kaku gets up and is, I guess, going back to work, where he has, in most episodes, just left someone there to like wait for their haircut to be finished. That's right. Uh, so he's probably going back to finish his job. And uh, Shoji looks out the window and sees some of the puppets and calls to Kazu, like, oh, man, there are the puppets. Kazu, not turning around, just accuses Shoji of being needy. That's right. Like, come on, man, give it up. Right. It's over. It's just like, guys, you are really, like, just oh, not man. putting in any energy here. So the puppets attack. Eventually, you know, Shoji, or Kazu, rather, he does turn around and he sees the puppets are attacking him to try to help. The they run outside, and the, the puppets are just, like, rampaging through, uh, like a, like a fair, like a carnival sort of thing. There are yeah, Ferris wheels, sort of there thing. are, there's, the, there's, like, there's the Scrambler, stands. there's the Black Widow, or whatever the Japanese equivalent of the Black Widow is. Yeah, but there's, you know, but they've got rides, and there's, like, food stands. Uh, there's cotton and the, candy. And then there's right. also a lawn gnome with a gun and evil red eyes floating around trying to murder people. Now, this is the thing I want to point out. We've only seen the Key Clown capture, like, in person, we've only seen him capture, I think, three or maybe four kid souls. There are a lot of Dozens. Absolutely dozens of them. Like, a lot. And that's not even all of them. Because we do later also see, uh, back at his base, I guess, in an abandoned industrial warehouse, but there's even more. There's even more puppets back at his base in addition to, like, the dozens and dozens of puppets that are currently rampaging through Tokyo. He's got and reserve seen, forces of child right. soul puppets. And monsters. each one of these is a child's soul. Dear listener, I just don't forget that. Each one of these rampaging <laughs> monsters is, a chi- is the soul of an innocent child. So, oh, the puppets are rampaging... But what's fantastic is that they're rampaging, but they're rampaging in a very childlike manner. They're demanding, like, french fries and ramen, and they want to get on the rides first. But the consequences to not giving them ramen is oh, that yeah, no one will shoot, shoot you with a gun or throw a grenade at you. Right, but they're not, like, these are not, uh... They're not ramen I think bangs. it actually makes it extra creepy. It makes it super creepy because you don't forget that they're child's children's souls. You know what I mean? That they're not. If they were just like murdering people, that would be like, oh, they're just the soul is a battery and it is just fueling a murderous puppet. 
But nope, the fact he that is, they're doing it in the a very cloud childlike taken way. The soul, put it into the puppet, and all the evil that is in that child's soul is animating the puppets to kill and kill and kill. Right! It's it's really creepy. So the puppets are, like, eating ramen, and they're on carnival rides, and then the scene cuts. We do cut back to Key Clown in his lair, surrounded by the aforementioned extra puppets, and he can't see them, we would assume, but he is just encouraging them to rampage. I think he actually just says rampage, rampage, rampage. Uh, it cuts back to the fun fair. Let's just call it a fun fair. It doesn't really seem like quite like a carnival. It doesn't sound but very fun either. But... It doesn't sound fun either. So the fair, the murder fair. So we cut back to the murder fair. We see puppets going all over the place. I do want to point out, in case anybody notices, or in case you didn't catch it, one of those puppets is just straight up a My Pet Monster. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. It's a My Pet Monster that they've, like, taped to a tricycle and are dragging through a schoolyard. Yeah, I really, like, it took me a second. I actually went back and I had to check while we were watching the episode. I kind of pulled it up on my phone to make sure that that was, in fact, My Pet Monster. It totally is. I Did that have its own cartoon show? Was I don't know. Like a, I, Honestly, the only thing that I remember about the My show. Pet Monster is that I had one at some point. I did not remember that. Was that like a present from somebody? Man, I don't even know. I just, it's around? Well, you know, the reason I ask is that just does not seem like the sort of thing that our parents would have purchased for us. Like, it seems like that would have had to have been a present from somebody else. But I can't think for the life of me who would have gotten you a My Pet Monster. No, see, here's the thing about the My Pet Monster is that I had it, but like, I didn't have it when I was a little kid. Right. Like... At some point when I was, like, maybe not quite a teenager, Mom was at, like, a garage sale and just came home with it. It's like, oh, I got you a My Pet Monster. No! No, 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 no. I do. I remember this now. I remember why. I remember that you had it, and I remember why you had it. This was shortly after you and I and uh, our mutual friend Dan had done a musical experience with Ed and the Gang. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah. Which was, listeners, a video project wherein my brother and I and this friend Dan made music videos uh, exclusively starring puppets. It was a ton of fun. I really wish we still had it. I should get a hold of him on Facebook and see if he saw a copy of it somewhere. But anyways. And I just want to say, this. this was not like, we didn't do this once. Oh, yeah, this was not the project of an afternoon. This was a project of, like, multiple summers. Yeah, this could have been, like, its own VH1 special. There were, I think we did maybe 15 or 20 of them. I mean, Something like that. And some of them were really elaborate. Oh, by the end of it, they got weirdly elaborate. Like, the one we did for, um... Was it Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? No, No, it was was I uh, Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus. Yeah, it was, it was and it was when our room was painted. in a continuous pan circling around our room, and, like, we had to, like, run behind the camera to get to more puppets because there were only the three of us. It was actually pretty impressive. I I, I mean, I recall it being pretty impressive. The I sure hope it was, because we put I know, hours it took us into that out. thing. I will say, for if, if, if it doesn't make sense as to why we were filming it in our room in a continuous pan, at the time, our room was painted bright yellow with, like, a big blue and green ribbons kind of painted ribbons of course of color swirling around the room and smiley faces and flowers there was a we went through a very big 
pseudo hippie phase. I think when we were okay. Listen, here's the deal. That was not the first time we had listened to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Or yeah, let's uh, just put sorry. it that way. I think that's the easiest way. That was we, not we the weren't first doing drugs. We had listened to uh, I'm the Walrus. Right. We weren't doing drugs. I want to make that very clear. This was an entirely sober operation. Nope. Nope. Just two sober, like young Three. teenagers. Three getting young really teenagers. into psychedelic Beatles songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that is why. That's why you had the My Pet Monsters, because it, Mom was encouraging, like, burgeoning interest in puppetry, I guess, which never actually panned out. But that is why you had a My Pet Monster. And I presume that maybe, you know, there was a similar experience on the show. Somebody's mother was like, hey, here have a My Pet Monster. And they were like, this is fantastic. We have a puppet episode. Coming up on Gosei Sentai <laughs> Diary. Uh, the next, we see a couple other puppets. There's nothing particularly interesting about them. There is one puppet on a stri- on a swing, rather, who is clearly just held on with electrical tape. He's oh, yeah, just, just obvious black electrical tape taping his yeah, to the swing. Did not put in any effort. And you know what's insulting about that is it really would not have been that difficult. They could have made like a little loop of tape to put inside of its hands and then just tape that loop to the chain. I don't know, man. Chain, I mean, as we mentioned just before, gone. there were like 40 different puppets in this thing that they needed to animate, and they had a week to make this episode. That's true. I just, I feel like it would not have taken very much time at all. But we do see the puppet on the swing. He's got, he's held on there with electrical tape. One of the puppets throws a bomb, which seemed a little bit weird. I guess no weirder than the gun, but... I just don't know where they're getting the bombs and guns. Yeah, that part is, you know, listen, man, I think if you can get as far as, like, children's souls animating puppets for murder, I feel like tossing a gun slash bomb on there is not too much of a stretch. So the puppets are, like, shooting, bombing, rampaging. Shoji and everybody else bursts in. Not bursts in. They burst out of the scene. And they're doing their best. They're doing their best to save people. Uh, their best, though, it should be noted, is really bad. Yeah, really unimpressive. They do not transform at any point. The they just run around, yell at the puppets, get shot at, and then run away. Yeah. They do uh, really and they run away job. back to the headquarters. Now, when they get back to headquarters, Kaku is there, Daigo are there, they're both sitting cross-legged on the floor, or on the pedestal, and when the... They're, like, meditating. Yeah, they're all meditating. And so when the other four all run in and say, like, hey, there's a problem, Kaku just basically tells them to sit down and shut up. Yeah. And I think they do They do respond to that. They're like, Kaku, we really should deal with this. There are puppets murdering people all over Tokyo. Which Kaku responds to by basically reminding them, like, oh, no, no. I still think you guys totally suck. Yeah. Like, you cannot beat these puppets. Right. So just sit down and listen. So they all sit down. They sit cross-legged. He tells them to focus their chi. Um, Kaku starts to levitate. They all start to levitate. Screen goes fuzzy. Uh, and they all show up in deepest China. Yeah. Oh, I will say Murder Basement does seem to be looking a little bit neater. Yeah, it I think looks... they've unpacked, unpacked a few of the they've boxes. They've unpacked a little bit. It's looking a little bit cleaner, not quite as sketchy. Only problem is every time they do this, like, focus chi meditation levitate thing, everything in the room vibrates, and so they've just set everything up, and now it's all on the floor again. Oh, yeah, that's right. I feel like, Maybe well, that's why they never bother to unpack. Right, they know just it's, like, it's just gonna end up on the floor anyway. 
You know what I also just realized is that we never got an explanation for the random pile of sand that was falling from the ceiling, and I feel cheated. I don't even think it's still there, is it? I don't think it is. We haven't seen it yet since, and I really was curious as to what was up with that. So, they teleport to China, or it looks like they teleport to China. It turns out that they are astrally projecting. They're not actually, they haven't teleported there. So, astrally projected into these ruins, and the ruins, Kaku explains, are the ruins of the Daos uh, Empire, which is where the Dai Rangers originally, like the power of the Dai Rangers originally came from. And so he's giving them this whole history lesson. And basically what happened was what we've heard before. 6,000 years ago, there was this empire called the Daos Empire. The Goma come, the Goma attack. They take over. The Daos resist and do a... Fighting, fighting, fighting. Do a really bad job until the Kaiden beasts appear. And the Kaiden beasts are the giant robots. Yeah. Um, why the beasts are robots? Who knows? We have no explanation. Ryu is really amazed that there's more than just the dragon. And so He's like, what wait, so what? There's more than just this one? Despite the fact that there are five Die Rangers, there are, in fact, five magical beasts? Crazy! And so they all go over to this wall and they find these engravings and they're like, oh, this engraving is of, like, the phoenix. This engraving is of the lion. And they all, like, un- they all uncover these engravings of the Kaiden beasts. And all of those match, uh, A, their coloring, and B, the design of their helmets. Because if you haven't watched the show yet, all of their helmets are designed to sort of look like the giant robot magical creature thing that they summon. And yeah. so they're, like, super shocked to be like, oh, the Dragon Ranger has a dragon robot. I'm the Phoenix Ranger. Are you telling me that I have a Phoenix robot? It's no just way. like their minds are completely blown. Yeah. Now, I do want to point out one more thing. They walk over to the pictures. The pictures are covered in dust, which they proceed to scrape away with their physical hands. Because I think the producers of the show forgot that they were just astrally projecting to China, and were just like, oh, they're there, and then they just scrape away the dust, and then they come back. Or maybe they were supposed to be teleporting and the teleport effect is really strange. But it really very clearly, to me, looks as though they were astrally projecting. Oh, no, no. Kaku says, your bodies are still back in the murder basement. Oh, that's right. No, he does. Well, okay. He doesn't say murder basement. Right. But he says their bodies are back, and so they just go and brush the dust off, I think because the producers forgot what they had put in their own show literally not 30 seconds beforehand. <laughs> These things are made pretty quickly, it seems. So, hooray, there will be new robots. Eventually, but not Eventually, now. Eventually, at some point. You do not get to see those yet. So, spoiler, the new ranger gear that I was talking about, not giant robots. Still got You still unhooked for that one. You still got to wait. So, after we see that first vision of the going in the path, Kaku then goes to show them another vision of the future. And it's one of those, like, generically horrible futures. Right. Where the bad guys win and everything is destroyed. Like, uh, like, like, think Terminator, but without robots. Terminator, I was going to say Age of Apocalypse, which I think is also, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's, it's a generic future. Yeah. Man, Age of Apocalypse. There's a lot of rubble. Yeah. I think people are enslaved. There may be chains. It's just. 
oh, there's definitely chains. I feel like they could have put in a little more imagination. They could have thought about it a little bit more as to what a horrific future under the rule of the Goma would look like. But I think they probably already put all their imagination points this week into weird ways to have it look like people are actually wrestling with a puppet. There actually was one impressive piece I thought of physical acting is where the guy, he's not even one of the rangers. He's not even a principal actor. He is just an extra, but he does pretend to get strangled by a puppet in a way that I think is actually more convincing than anything that the rangers themselves <laughs> do. The actor, oh, I mean, yeah. you know. Like he grabs the puppet and he holds it up to his neck as though the puppet just sort of flew up and grabbed him. And then does this, like, weird side backflip into a fountain. Yeah! And, like, sputters around. None of the actors who play the Rangers are committing nearly as hard as that one random dude. So <laughs> He just has one chance to be on this show, Dan. And he is He's got to make it shine. It. You know, probably not, man. If he's doing, like, backflips and stuff, that guy's probably, like, a Kotaro Potoro or something. He's probably got I some... I wonder if they flip coins. Like, you show up one week and you're like, okay... Are you going to be running away from the Kotoro or do you get to wear the lipstick helmet? I hope so. I really hope that that's how that works. So Just to keep it fun. Yeah, because you don't know. Who knows? Who knows what you're going to get to do? So the puppets are fighting people. The rangers do arrive. They, they come back from their vision. Right. They also get wrecked. Just, just no match. No match for the puppets at all. Really? No, 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 no. They do a very bad job. Yeah, really bad. Just getting, like, thrown around. The puppets don't care. They have learned about caring. They have not actually learned about success. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so, Daigo, in a feat of brilliance, manages, he does get a hold of one of the puppets, and I think it's sort of like a generic Snow Whitey puppet. But when yeah, he, it's very Snow White ass. But when he gets his hands on it, it's got like a switchblade, like Baraka style for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and it, it, like it's not. I'm sorry. Let me be clear. It's not holding a switchblade. A switchblade like pops out of its sleeve, kind of Wolverine style. Like, and it attacks Daigo, and he gets a really minor cut on his hand. Like, it's a really tiny cut. Pretty insubstantial, considering the sort of things that he's been hit with in the last three and a half episodes. Yeah, so, but this tiny little cut, it's actually the lamest thing Daigo does in the entire series so far. As he gets this little tiny cut, he does drop the puppet, the puppet runs, Daigo chases it into a subway station, is kind of what it looks like. Down some stairs into some sort of indoor area. Yeah. Runs up to it, backs it into the wall, starts threatening the puppet. And he's like, he's like getting down into like a fighting stance. He's like inching closer to this puppet, getting ready to fight it again, I guess. And then the puppet turns around and shouts door a few times. The wall behind it turns into a magic door. It jumps through. Daigo follows after. Now, this is not a magic door in the sense that like, there was not a door before. It's a secret thing that leads to the other side of that wall. They jump through that door and immediately fall through this weird, swirling, glowing portal. Yeah. And I think, and again, to Daigo's credit, Daigo hesitates not at all. Like, that puppet is going through the portal, so is Daigo. No, but here's the weird thing. It's a magical portal. 
but it doesn't take him anywhere special. It doesn't even take him particularly far. It just drops him on a beach where the key clown happens to be and this weird, like, picnic table with umbrella. Yeah, he's got, like, a Mai Tai or something. He's got a drink. It looks like he went and, like, raided the set of the prisoner and stole one of their tables and umbrellas and just brought it to Japan. Okay. Uh, That's kind of a deep cut to the prisoner, but I... I don't think the prisoner's a deeper cut than the Age of Apocalypse. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, guys, if you haven't seen The Prisoner, look it up. The Prisoner. Oh my amazing. gosh. You should totally watch The Prisoner. The Prisoner is a fantastic show. If we uh, I think Dynamaker... you can still watch it on Crackle? Oh, dude, I don't know. But if we finish Dino Ranger, we should just go back and watch The Prisoner. Dude, there are uh, there are another 37 years of Super Sentai. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. But, the... oh, guys, The Prisoner is so good. You don't even know. With the capture bubbles? Every oh, time dude, The Prisoner those capture almost bubbles. escapes, the, prisoner, the bubbles come and get him. It's fantastic. So, Have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where they get captured and then put on an island and they try to escape and a bubble catches them? That's, that's a prisoner thing. That's a prisoner joke. So Daigo, um, right through this portal, does not care. He's chasing it. Which, again, just goes to show Daigo is straight up the best ranger. So Key Clown's on the other side of the portal. Daigo starts fighting him. The other rangers catch up to the door as it closes. They get jumped by some Kotopotoros. Uh, these Kotopotoros, um, are almost as rad as the ones in the first episode. Because... They're not on sweet BMX bikes, but they're on roller skates. Yeah. I don't know where, zero explanation, just these Kotopotoro are on roller skates. It's fantastic. And Quarter stabs and roller skates. Yeah. Going to town. It's fantastic. And I think, I really feel bad for Kazu, because Kazu gets like a double, like one of the Kotoropotoro jumps up and does like a flying kick at him with both feet. And oh, he just, just drop takes... kicks him in the face yeah. with skates on. But with skates on. That is brutal. That is a nasty hit. That is way worse than the Switchblade gut. Yeah. So, they do... Okay, so then the rangers, they're fighting the Kotoropotoro. They transform, right? Yeah, yeah well, they what do. happens is that they need to go find Daigo. That's so, right. So, everyone else stays behind, but um, Ryu summons the red dragon, uh, jumps up on its head, and flies off in search of Daigo. And just I don't says, know how he knows which direction to go, if they have some sort of like a weird like, ranger-to-ranger, ranger, like, compass sense? Well, he or if does... he just flies around and gets lucky? He does tell the dragon, he says, go find Daigo. As though uh, the dragon yeah. is, like, Clifford or something. So he jumps on the dragon's head and tells the dragon to go find Daigo. Daigo flies off to go find the beach where they're fighting the, uh, the key clown. Right. And... Eventually, all the other rangers catch him up. Right. So, Daigo, is he's fighting the Key Clown, he actually does a pretty decent job. He's holding his own. The other rangers arrive, and... And here's where things get rad. Yeah, things get totally rad. Well, first thing, the other rangers do say, like, hey, did we show up in time this time? And Daigo sort of laughs, which I think is very gracious of him, considering that what the joke that they're telling is about them not showing up in time to save the soul of a child last episode. They're really flippant about that, and Daigo's just like, ha-ha, yes, thank you for not screwing it up this time. So, they start to fight. They're doing a little fighty nonsense. 
It's fine. Whatevs. Uh, all of the staves of the rangers um, transform into individualized weapons. Yeah. This is where it gets good, y'all. And so, like, the yellow ranger's staff turns into, like, this chain whip. Uh, Red Ranger gets two swords because he's the best, and so he gets two swords. Right. Um, the Pink Ranger gets a totally rad spear. Um, what else was it? What is, uh, oh, Blue Ranger gets nunchucks. Yeah. Everybody loves nunchucks. Yeah. Blue Ranger gets nunchucks. Daigo, in an enormous injustice, just gets another staff. Yeah, it's just like a slightly more ornate version of his regular staff. Which is bull, considering, again, Daigo's the best ranger, they already had staves, and then everybody else gets something new and cool, and Daigo just gets another staff. I call I call shenanigans Ghost of Sentai Dai Ranger. But... It's not like there isn't a fifth weapon option they could have given him. Right! That's like one of the best things about Kung Fu, is there's like a hajillion weapons. Right, like that one scene at the, uh, near the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah, where it's... Where they're just uh, in the room and Michelle and... Yeoh picks up like a million different weapons as they all get cut in half. Right, the green, she just uses the green destiny and they all go down. It was great. I know, we should have seen Daigo with like a meteor hammer or something. It would have been totally rad. So anyways, so they get all the weapons and I want to point out, there is zero explanation as to where these weapons come from. Just nothing at all. We don't see yeah. the state. There's no, like, At no point does it say, now that you've learned the power of teamwork, you can transform your weapons. Yeah, we don't see a special effect where the staves turn into their individual weapons. Kaku never says anything to say, oh, once you've mastered your chi, blah, blah, blah. N- just nothing. They have the staves, they jump, and when they land, they have new and cool weapons. And that's it. And so, it's a little disappointing that Daigo only has his staff. But he makes up for it immediately. Oh yeah, this is amazing. By using his illusion powers. Now again, I don't know if you remember from the other episode, Daigo's illusion powers don't make any sense. Yeah, zero. Because they're not illusions. They're illusions in the same way that a holodeck is filled with illusions. Yeah, so he summons like these tiny fighter jets to come attack. Which they do. And then, following the fighter jets... He summons a phantom door. Which would seem weird, except, of course, remember, they're fighting the key clown. And so Daigo says, like, ahaha, I bet you can't open this door. I want to point out, there is nothing around the door. It is just a door in a freestanding frame. Daigo can literally see around the door to the key clown and vice versa. So the key clown is under no injunction other than his own bizarre compulsion to do anything with the do- with this door other than simply step around it. But but he does have that compulsion. Right. So he pulls out a key ring and he's flipping through trying to find the right key, throws it away, pulls out a key that is roughly the size of a a small shovel, I'd say. Yeah, it's big. Shoves it in the door, is thrilled that the key fits, as it's, though he's somehow won. And then right, the door it's, it's the only explodes. key that, Yeah, just... Just big old bomb door that was trapped in some way? I don't know. I, I thought it was fantastic. 
And what's great is that you do see Daigo, and he's sort of like taunting the key clown, and just being like, ah, uh, ah, uh, I bet you can't do it. Bet you can't. And he, because he knows, he is preying on the key clown's compulsions to open doors. He's door. preying on the key clown's weird monster psychoses. Right. Which, as the illusion star, I think kind of makes sense. He kind of gets inside the monster's head and does this thing. And then blows them up. And then blows them up. <laughs> well, they are still bad. Still disappointed. Still no more giant robots. Kind of a bummer, but we did get their weapons, so that's so the key so the clown, key clown goes down. They throw their like five man chi bolt at him, and that's uh, it. He explodes. He explodes, and then and that's pretty much it for the episode. Well, okay, we do see the puppets all go inert, and all of the children get their souls back, and the two little kids that are sort of the impetus for all the rangers to get involved in this. We they wake up next to each other, and they're like, "Hooray, we're." have our souls back so the kids do get their souls back which i think we all anticipated but it is which nice is a nice see. ending but it's a nice ending and then the team does like a big like five person high five basically i i don't know i don't remember if they actually do but if they don't literally they do metaphorically right they do the metaphorical five-way high five the high five by five and that's it that's pretty much the end of the episode yeah. they've learned the power of teamwork they have restored the souls of the children they have defeat, defeated the key clown and they are ready to take on their next adventure. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff, Donna, here on Ghost Sentai Die Ranger. So, Dave, what was your high point? My high point of the episode, I gotta say, it's it's new weapons. It's the new... I just... I want the new equipment. I want them to level up. That's what I want to see. So, I was really excited when they got the new equipment. My high point, I have to say, is the... Um, just the puppet rampage. Because we didn't spend a lot of time on it, because not a lot happened, but it goes on for a while. Yeah. There were a few minutes where it's just like puppets, just puppets going, going nuts. nuts. And explosions and flips and guns. Guns. Again, and knives. puppets with guns. The best part about the puppets with guns is they know that it's a puppet, and so it can't hold it with one hand, so you just see the puppet <laughs> holding it with both arms. And squeezing the trigger with both hands. It's fantastic. It's it's really beautiful. It's a, it's a really fun piece of the show. I just had a ton of fun with it. Okay, so, low points. Low points. Man, I don't know if there were any low points. This was a great episode. I guess my low point would be the fact that it did... No, you know what? My low point is that the producers forgot that they were supposed to be astrally projecting, and they just used... And they just brushed the dust off of the off of their monster plaques. I thought that was oh, really... Yeah. That just seemed... That's kind of amateur hour. I really Come feel on, like guys. that could have been... You know, they could have summoned Chi to do it. There would have been any number of really easy ways to get around that. They could that. have summoned a breeze. Yeah. Listen, by the end of this, we are going to have some great notes for the producers of Die Ranger. <laughs> right, right. So that was really my low point. I think just lazy, lazy filming. All right. So um, any other final thoughts? Final thoughts? I'm just, I'm excited to see robots, man. They're holding out on us. I'd really like to see some more giant robots. We're wetting the appetite. Yeah. Well, they're doing a good job. They they know their business. They know their business. I'm excited to see those robots when they finally arrive. Okay. Uh, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind everyone that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, or if you want to check out the things that we mentioned in the show, we're on Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. 
and we'll see you next week. Open the door!